Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. We thank the Lord for another day. We never seen before. We thank the Lord for last night lying down. Uh, how he has protected us uh, through the night, last night, and through the day so far today. Uh, he is good. He's good to us all the time. Amen. We're going to continue in our Bible class. Think of that. Listen to that word. Bible class. Class of the Bible. And that's what we're doing. The book we're studying is called Biblical Beliefs, Doctrines Believers Should Know. And we're going to continue in this uh, book and uh, we'll be pick up with chapter 3. Chapter 3, we're going to talk about creation and the fall. Creation and the Fall, chapter 3, that's page 39. So before we start, we will begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Holy Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you go with us tonight. You be our teacher, Holy Father. We ask that you help us to see in your word what you have us to see. I hear what you have us to hear for each and every listener that's on the call that will listen to these words. We ask, Holy Father, that your word will not go out void, but it will speak to them wherever they are, for whatever need, for in whatever time. Holy Father, that you say so. Holy Father, we know that so much is going on in the world. And we need you so from the north to the south to the east to the west. Every human that inhabits this earth depends on you, depends on your living word. Holy Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you raise up in us a desire for your word, a thirst, Holy Father, for your word. More so than our necessary food, Holy Father, because what we see, what we touch, what we feel is all temporary. But it's those things that we cannot see, oh God, that's going to thrust us into eternity. And your word is what we're going to need to take us there. And so we can be with you in peace and not in torment. Holy Father, we ask that you walk us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 3, The Creation and the Fall, page 39. It says, How can the world be filled with such beauty and splendor, yet also such devastation and distress? How could it be? Christianity gives an account of these experiences. It's in the Bible's account of the creation of the world, and this fall that we are able to sense, to make sense, of our origin and of our predicament. Once again, I'm going to reiterate that I will be speaking sort of fast and moving sort of hurriedly so we can get through this whole chapter. If you need to, take notes. Jot it down. Jot down the page number that I refer to. Jot down the scriptures that I refer to. And go back and read them and study them. Remember, it's Bible class. Okay? All right. So as how can all these things uh, happen in this world? Uh, what? 
the scripture lets us know how these things happen in this world. You know, because God created everything. You know, in, in, in John, you know, chapter 1, you know, what's it, what's it let us know? In the beginning. Let's, let's go scroll and read it. Let's read John 1. John 1, verse 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we know that in the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ is the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus and God was in the beginning. Now let's go to Genesis 1 and 1. And it says, once again, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. Now, the way we can, the original speaks like this. In a beginning, which had no beginning, God created. Because God doesn't have a beginning. So, but to us, we have to have a starting and a stopping point. So that's why our language reads in the beginning as if it just started. But no, no. In God's time, it was a beginning which really had no beginning. You know, because he created it all. The John Golden Gay wrote a book. It's called The Theology of Jeremiah. And he... He wrote this. Well, he he was quoting Jeremiah chapter ten, verses twelve through thirteen, but he put it in his own language. Once again, this is a John Golden Gay, and he wrote a book called The Theology of Jeremiah, and he quotes in uh, this book Jeremiah ten, verses twelve through thirteen, in his own words. He says. Yahweh is one who made the earth by his energy, established the world by his expertise. By his understanding, he stretched out the heavens. At his given voice, there was a roar of water in the heavens. He made clouds go up from the end of the earth. He made lightning for the rain, made wind come out from his storehouse. Jeremiah 10, 12-13. God created. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. The creation and the fall. Page 39, it says here, There are three truths that bind together historic Christianity. The first truth is this. Creation came out of nothing, as we saw. The second truth is creation was spoken into existence. God said, let there be light. Creation was spoken into existence. The third truth is creation was very good because God said he saw all his creation that it was good. So everything God created was good and is good. It's just that when sin stepped in, when sin came on the scene, that's when things begin to go south real quick. Page 40. The most familiar, uh, one of the most familiar terms is called ex nihilo. 
Ex nihilo refers to the fact that God created everything out of nothing. Time, space, matter, and energy as we know them seem to emerge out of this creative act. Ex nihilo. God created everything. Now, just so we can get a little more uh, perspective here, I'm going back to John Golden Gate's book, and I'm going to read what he wrote about time and God and this ex nihilo and how does it all play out for us to get an understanding. He, 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 he writes here, he says, and once again, he's referring to Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 10. He says, Yahweh is the true God, the living God, the everlasting King, Jeremiah 10 and 10. He emphasizes here, he says, living God is a key description because Yahweh has lived and will live through all time. But he lived in time with his people and his world in relationship with us because he desires to. He is constrained by, he is, he is unconstrained by time rather than timeless or outside of time. So what he's saying here is that God chooses to live within time, within the span of years and months, with his people so he can be in relationship with us. Although he's unconstrained by time, it doesn't prohibit him. He's not timeless because he desires to live in it with us. Nor is he outside of time simply because he chose to be in time with us. So the least we can do is give God some of our time. Huh? The least we can do is to make time for Yahweh that has made time for us. Moving on. Page 40. As we will see in chapter 4, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Colossians 1 and 16. Notice visible and invisible. It emphasizes here that what you see is not always what you get. He created the... Think about it. He created the invisible. How can you create something that's invisible if you can't see it, touch it, be tangible? But hey, he created the visible and the invisible. Colossians 1 and 16. Also Romans 1 and 20. It reads, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. In other words, God's power, God's freedom, and goodness could be clearly seen in creation if we just stop to look, to look up. One farmer said, and he made a, a, a parable 
what what about him feeding his hogs? He said a lot of people are just like hogs. You know, when the hogs come, they don't care what they eat. If you throw it down there and, and they in front of them, they're gonna eat it. But they never look up to see where their food is coming from. He's pouring that slop all over their head. Do you think they look up? Nope, they just keep their head down, eat, 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 eat. Never look up to see where it comes from. But we know that our creation, our strength, our ability comes from God. Man, the image of God, the image of God. Theologians call the image of God the Imago Dei. The Imago Dei. The image of God. The image of God. And it lets us know here that we man and man and woman complementary but distinct are said to be made in our image in our image let's turn to 1 Corinthians 8 man and woman was made in our image 1 Corinthians 8 4 through 6 1 Corinthians 8 4 through 6 who is who is our Who's our? First Corinthians 8, 4 to 6 reads this. And therefore, concerning eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know, this is something we should know, that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. So he said, so we know that people call these little trinkets, they call them idols, but he said, we know there's only one God, he's saying. But even if there are so-called gods, lowercase g, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, lowercase g, and many lords. And he's referring to there are many so-called gods, Buddha, uh, 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 Mohammed. He's, yeah, there are many lowercase g gods in the world, but we know that there is only one God, capital G. Verse 6 continues. Look what he says. Yet for us, there is but one God. Look, the Father from whom are all things and we exist for him and one Lord, Jesus Christ. That's that our image. See that? Turn it back. Our image, one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through him. So make no mistake when you see that we were made, when the scripture says, Man and woman was made, let, let us make them in our image. It was in the image of God the Father and in the image of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Page 41. Man's calling says something about who he is. In other words, identity is related to purpose. Image bearers cannot mean that we literally appear like God because we have bodies and God doesn't. So there must be something deeper about our humanity and about our Imago Day. And there is something deeper. And that deeper is we didn't we did not inherit from God a mortal body. We did not inherit the image of God in this flesh and blood because flesh and blood is sinful. It's going back to the dust. And scripture also lets us know that. 
God took on flesh when he came into the world to save us for our sins. So if we were a part, if that was a part of the Imago day, he would not have to have taken on flesh. But no, we know that the flesh is not the Imago day. The image of God is your ability to think, to reason, to love, to calculate. All those things that's in your spirit, that's what you got to get from God in the image of Imago Dei. Because animals cannot do that. Only humans. This image is relational because it means man is designed to relate to God in a way different from any other creature. He is unique because he has a conscience. He has a moral compass and light of true knowledge of God. And with that moral compass that man and woman has also comes responsibility. And if you have a moral compass or you know what's right and wrong, you have a responsibility to do what's right. And with the responsibility to do what's right, if you don't do what's right, then there lies the consequences, the whole purpose of heaven and hell. Hmm? You see that? With all privilege comes responsibility. And if responsibility is not adhered to, then there's consequences. Human beings are able then to carry out these two callings because they bear God's image. And the main thing that we're able to do is to relate to God, pray to God, talk to God, hear from God, because we bear His image. Page 41, the creator is worthy of worship. God himself is a self-sufficient being. So he was under no obligation to create us. See that? None. And he is God. He's a God that is a God of love. He didn't have to be a God of love. He could have been a, a hard taskmaster. He could have been like the devil, but he's a God that chooses to love his creation and be in relationship with us. But, oh, human beings, oh, man, oh, woman, don't want, don't have time for God. Don't make time for God. Have so many other things to do. Just like that old spread tar that sit in the back of your truck. You don't think about that spread tar until you have a blowout in life. And as soon as your your tar, pow, your tar go out, your first thing you think about, oh, I wonder if my spare up. Half of us wonder if we even got the spare in the truck. That's why we treat God. But he's a God of love. He doesn't have to make it what he did. The only explanation that coheres with biblical truth is that God, being infinitely loving and gracious, decided to create in order to reveal something of his greatness and power. Notice that. When God decided to create us, he wanted to reveal his glory and his power. That's called self-disclosure. He wanted to disclose portions of himself to us. In other words, he wanted to share who he was with his creator. I mean, with his creation. He didn't have to do that. He wanted to let us know 
and be in relationship with, with him. Page 42. For Christians, worship is the only fitting response. It's the only fitting response is to worship. You like the uh, Paul wrote, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy Temple. He then he said, which is your reasonable service, or, or in other words, it's your rational. It's the rational thing to do. It's the only right thing to do. So worship is the only right thing for us to do. If we don't know how to worship. All we have to do is read the book of Psalms. The great psalmist of Israel, King David, is the best worship leader you ever could have. Look on page 42, Psalms 33, verses 6 through 9. Look what he says. He said, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses, and all the earth fear the Lord, and all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. David continued in Psalms 102, verses 25 through 26. He says, Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, but you will, you will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. In Revelations 4 and 11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. Those are songs of worship. Those are songs of praise. Worship is not our gyrating. Worship is not our stuff at our feet. Worship, no, no. This is worship and this is praise, giving glory and honor to God. You can do this in your home, in your car. You don't have to be in a building to worship God, but you need to know how to worship Him and what is acceptable to Him at worship. Providence, the bottom of page 42. Providence refers to the ways and means of which God sustains and governs creation. So he, God wants to, like when He was leading Israel, when he took them out of Egypt, out of the bondage house of the slave, slave house of Pharaoh, and he became their master. He wanted to be their provider. He wanted to be the one that gave them good land, fruit trees to eat from, and grapes to pick from, and lamb, and, 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 and meat to eat. He wanted to be the provider. He, and that's what providence is. That's what he does for us. He provides for us. He gives us what we need. This is a God who cares about creation. He cares about the birds, the trees, the tribes, and the nations. His loving concern is seen in the fact that he creates, and later, as we learn, that he is a savior as well. 
evangelical Christians agree that God and his heavenly agents are actively involved in earthly affairs. That's the difference of being, that's the difference from, from, from Yahweh, from God, from the, from Jehovah, and other, and all these other false gods. Even when you look at Greek mythology and what the Romans thought the Zeus and all those Hermes and, 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 and all those other fake gods, they would be aloof. They they wouldn't interact with their with the, with humans. They was up in what they called their Olympus heaven or whatever they called it. But they they didn't communicate with humans like Yahweh does us. They stayed away if you believe in Greek mythology in comparison to God. But God is in our everyday activities. God is involved with us driving to work. He's involved with us waking up in the morning. He's involved with us. Everything we do, he's there. And he's involved and he's active. Colossians 117 specifically teaches that in Christ, God the Son holds all things together. All things. Genesis 8.22 is also important. He assures Noah and future generations of humankind that while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And so don't worry about these doomsday uh, messages that they said. Oh, global warming, global warming, and, and, and uh, all the uh, polar ice caps are going to melt and, and we're all going to get washed away. Hey, the scripture says as long as the earth as long as the earth is still going on, as long as the Lord allows the earth to still be in existence, there's gonna always be summer, fall, winter, day and night. It's gonna always be going on until the Lord creates the sky and comes back. That's when it's gonna change. But until then, you still plant your flowers in the summertime? Plan to, to plow the snow in the winter. Cause, and then you're going to hear the birds. It's going to happen. It's his promise. But what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with these people? Page 24. What's wrong with the world? That's why I want to know. Why is everybody going off? And why can't we all just get along? And what? Well, theologians call it the fall. They said the fall is what's wrong with the world. Uh, or in other words, sin. S-I-N. Ooh. I'm sorry. Ooh. Shh. You're going to hear that S-word. I'm going to hold that S-word. Sin. S-I-N. That's what's wrong with the world. And it affects us all. Every single one of us is, is affected by sin. That's what's wrong with the world. That's why your kids won't do right. They got sinful natures, just like mama do, just like daddy do. That's why politicians won't do right. 
They got sinful natures. You will all get praised. If depravity was blue, we'd be blue all over. There's one a movie called Black Hawk Down. It's the Marines that were they got uh, ambushed and uh, there was in this huge gunfight and uh, a lot of the Marines got shot up and, and a lot of them died and, and only a few got away but uh, it was one sergeant and a corporal and another Marine <clears throat> that managed to get in the Humvee. They were all shot up. Uh, but one of the Marines was shot up real bad and the other Marine was sh- was shot too. So the sergeant, they all jumped in the Humvee and the sergeant said, drive, tell the corporal to drive. The corporal said, oh, I'm shot, sergeant. And the, and the sergeant said, we all been shot. Shut up and drive. Hey, and that's the way it is with sin. We've all been shot through with sin. So I can't look at you. You can't look at me. Hey, we all got sinful nature. That's what's wrong with the world. That's again what it tells us here about the fall. In Genesis 3, well, you know the story of Adam. You know how he fell and they had the apple and listened to Eve. And, 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 and God walked through the garden and said, Adam, where are thou? Genesis 3, Adam, where are thou? And, and when, when God was asking for Adam, we would think that when God said, Adam, where are thou? We would put an exclamation point there. But no, no. God was asking with a question mark of concern. Oh, yeah. he already knew. But there was a question mark of concern. What are you? Huh? That's what God's asking so many of us today. Where are you spiritually? Why are you hiding? You used to walk with me in the cool other day. We used to, can you imagine walking through a garden with God, having a conversation and just chilling, kicking back with God? There's that relationship. So when he didn't, when Adam didn't show up one day, hey, where you at? That's what God is asking all of humanity. Where are thou? I created every single one of you. And you all just, not all, but the majority of the world has walked away to other things, other gods. There's so many other things to do. Page 44. When they ask this question, and with many people ask this question, and when Adam and Eve asked themselves this question, did God really say that? Did he really say I didn't have to eat that, not to eat from that tree? When they asked that question, did God really say that? That was the undoing of this beautiful existence enjoyed by God's creatures. Adam and Eve partook of a tree's fruits, which opened them up to a way of this. Watch this. Listen, listen. When they took up the fruit, it opened them up to a way of seeing themselves. Narcissists. 
self-consumed, selfish. They open them up in a way of seeing themselves and each other and God that was contrary to the Creator's plan. Immediately, the decision to sin, to be exact, brought shame. See that? See how that that brought that emotion and that feeling of shame? You you can't be taught shame. You don't go to school to feel shame. It's innate, given to us by God when we sin against His law. In a moment, human disobedience ushered the creation into a broken into a brokenness God never desired for it. You, hear, you read what the last sentence said? It said, in a moment, human disobedience ushered creation into a brokenness. It didn't did not only usher, in, usher the humans into a brokenness, it ushered the whole world. The trees, it ushered into brokenness. The ocean, it ushered you just can't hear the voice of the trees when when its leaves are blowing through the through the wind and the leaves are falling off and then the, the trees get broken and limbs fall off. You don't hear the cry, but that tree is ushered into brokenness. Oh, you don't hear the cry of the ocean when the waves are beating against the rocks. Just because you can't hear the ocean cry, but they too been ushered into the brokenness of sin. The volcanoes, why, why is it way raging? Ushered into the brokenness of Total creation mourns and waits for the manifestation of the sons of God to be revealed. So they can breathe a sigh of relief when this old earth will be done away with and a new earth will be here. Consequences of the fall. Are we going to make it today through this chapter? Are we going to make it today? Consequences of the fall. Bottom of page 44. Cornelius Plantis has poignantly stated, the story of the fall tells us that sin corrupts. It puts asunder what God has joined together. And then it joins together what God has put asunder. That's what it does. Page 45. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. See? There's what folks doing today. We had. We think we had anyway. But David already told us, Whether can I go to flee from your presence? If I make my belt in hell, lo, thou art there. If I descend to the heights of heaven, there you stand too. He said, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Look at that. The violation is uncovered as swiftly as their nakedness was once they tasted the tree's fruit. This first couple acknowledges that deception they fell prey to, and then God's judgment falls. You see, you see how sin works. Sin deceives. Yep. The serpent knew 
He knew. He knew exactly what he was doing. Sin deceives. He tricks you. After fruit, I'm sure the fruit looked good and tasty. But the first bite thrust them all into sin. See? We have been found by God. But something about old, old human nature, we can't help from hiding. God has made a way of escape, but it seems like we just got to go back hiding again. Hiding from God. He done made a way of escape for us to be safe. There we are hiding again. Old modern day Adam and Eve. Help us, Lord. Sin deceives us. Now here, on page 45, this is the, I would call this the first four obvious consequences of sin. The first four. There's many more. But these could be called the first four consequences of sin. The serpent, the woman, the man, and earth itself were all affected by sin. The serpent's judgment is marked by its place in the animal kingdom. The woman's judgment will, be, will come both in the form of her pain in childbirth and her animosity toward her husband's leadership. I, I, I need to read. No, nah, I ain't going to read that again. Y'all going to get mad at me. Y'all will get Keep on going. Both of these are corruptions of human life that would have been free from complication apart from sin. The man's judgment would occur in his labors upon a cursed earth. Labor will go from joyful vocation to toilsome struggle. See? No wonder I have such a hard time getting out of bed in the morning and going to work. Because our labor went from joyful to toilsome. All because of sin. Well, well, you saved and sanctified and filled with God's Holy Ghost. So why are you still feeling these consequences? We're going to feel these consequences as long as we end this old flesh and blood. No matter how saved you are, you have the Holy Ghost running out your nose and out your ears. As long as you're in this old body, you're going to deal with the consequences of sin. Bottom of page 45. Adam and Eve were humans created in the image of God as we are today. Yet how they used the freedom of will God gave them had consequences and affected the whole person and by extinction had affected all humankind. See? Because of the, the decision they made. See how it ripples? You throw a, a pebble into the a lake, into the ocean, and it ripples. Always. You can't sin by yourself. You sin don't just affect you. Sin affects your family, your kids, your wife, your husband, your church. It has ripple effect because it is a contrary to God's law. It affects everything. But look, look at Ephesians two. Verses 1 through 3. This is our plight before Christ. 
It's on page 46 at the top. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. This is where we were before Christ found us hiding, if you will. This is where we were. This is the state we were in. And it was all by nature. All by nature. We didn't have to think about it. Oh, look at the beautiful baby. Oh, she's so sweet. Oh, look at the pretty baby. Simple baby. Oh, beautiful twins. Oh, wow. You're like a mama and daddy. Sinful twins coming to earth. Yeah. Ain't done nothing wrong. Ain't did nothing two minutes old. And Sarah, sinner. Needs to be saved. And the parents need to tell them about Jesus. Right here. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Look what it says at the top of page 46. Key in on these key words. And you were dead, dead, in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked. Look at that. You once walked, following, you know, you just following that, you know, following that, chasing, following that. Look, the course of this world, the course of this cosmos, C-O-S-M-O-S, the cosmos, the, the course of the spiritual world that leads this earthly terror. Let me say it again. You follow the course of the cosmos, which is the course of the spiritual entities that lead this world in this terror form. So everything that goes on on this earth is 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 is, is led, if you would, by the spirit of the evil one, not by God, but by the enemy. But we follow after this course. Look, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, lowercase s, that is now at work in the in the sons of disobedience. See, that's that used to be you and me, or is it still you? I mean, the sons of disobedience. Among whom, look, <laughs> among whom we all once lived. No, oh, not me. Uh-uh. Among whom we all once lived. Your pastor, your bishop, your district elder, all once lived in this nature. No big eyes and a little youth. Look at that. Live in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body. Not only thinking about it, not only contemplating it, but carrying out the desires of the body. You know, in other words, the body had us all on cruise control. Taking us wherever it wanted to go. You know, just like a dog leading on the chain. That's why the sin was, it just led us, we had no control. It just leading us around. We didn't have no power to resist it. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Look, here's the main word. The main word I want you to see. And the word by nature. By nature. See, that's why I said that beautiful baby, one day old, is by nature a child of wrath. 
like the rest of mankind. You see that? You read it for yourself. That's Ephesians 2. Uh-huh. That's why there's no good in none of us if we left to our own flesh. So don't be so quick to look down on your neighbor, the, the drug dealer, the homosexual, the, the prostitute. Don't be so quick to look down on them because self-righteousness will carry you straight as hell as any one of these because we all by nature children of race. We must move along. Sin in its simplest form, it means missing the mark. It's a violation of God's law. As one theologian put it, sin is not only the breaking of the law, but also the breaking of the covenant with one Savior. Sin is the smearing. Look at that. Sin is the smearing of a relationship. You see that word relationship again? You and God. Sin is the smearing of a relationship. The grieving of one's divine parent. A betrayal of a partner to whom one is joined by a holy bond. See, see, God put it this way. You know when the scripture says that Israel went a horn after other gods? When, when Israel and God after Egypt came into covenant, they became into a spiritual marriage. And Yahweh told Israel, I'm going to be here for you always. I'm going to be your God. And the Israel said, we're going to be your people. But when Israel walked away, they failed to realize that the covenant they entered into was not a covenant of their own choosing. They said with their mouth that we're going to be your people. But when Yahweh said, I'm going to be your God, he bound the covenant with the Yahweh type of love. So whether or not they walked away, he still bound himself to them. That's the only reason he didn't destroy them, because he bound them in that covenant with the God type of love that held him to them, whether they walked away or not. So they thought it was them that was walking to or from God. Oh, well, we're going to go back to God. No, no. But it was that bond that he created. And that's the same bond that he has created with you and me once we become saved. I must move on. The bottom of page 46. The first is the world. He isn't referring to particular people or planet. He is speaking about systems, authorities, values, and forces that stand in defiance of God. The cosmos. The cosmos. They are by products of a world in which human beings are distorted, corrupted so much of what is good and true. It's worldliness. Yeah, this worldliness is a challenge to the Christian faithfulness. First it was the world, the cosmos, the worldly system, not the world, but the spirit that's driving. The spirit that's driving Wall Street is greed. The spirit that's driving these gambling places. Greed. It's a spirit. And then the second thing is the flush. <laughs> you know, the old people, well, it's the flesh, but you know, the old people say, oh, y'all, make sure you stay out of the flush. I'm about the flesh. Mm. 
But the second one is the flesh. He's referring to our sinful nature or the evil desires that come from our nature inherited from Adam. See? Yes, yes, yes. You were born in a wealthy family. Your people just was just as nice and bougie. Hey, you were still born in the flesh. Apart from Christ, people pursue their own wicked desires or passions as opposed to being led by the Spirit of God. See? See, passions as opposed to that as we want. The flesh and the, the the flesh and the spirit are at war. W-A-R. They at war with one another. And the question is, who will be our master? See? They ain't gonna get along. Just like oil and water, it ain't gonna mix. No matter how you shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. It'll twirl around for a while. Look like it's going to come together. But no, no. After it settles, it's going to separate. That oil is not mixing with that water. And that water is not mixing with that oil. God is not going to have no parts of sin and the flesh. We've got to make a decision. Choose ye this day who you're going to serve. All of creation cries out and points us in the right direction. But it's your decision today. You can't keep on blaming old Adam. Too many modern day Adam and Eve running around here. Huh? Hey! The responsibility falls back on us. Who is going to be your knight? There's a war going on, and you better fight. Page 47, our last page. As the psalmist says in Psalms 14 and 3, it says, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. See that? Psalms 14 and 3. The sinful nature humans possess is depraved. It speaks not only to the evil that they have committed, but also to their bent towards evil. See, 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 we have a bent. We are bent toward a certain direction. You may have a son that's uh, really good with uh, instruments. He has a bent toward musical ability. So if you was a wise parent, you would get that son in some type of music school. You may have a daughter and she has a bent towards taking care of animals and making taking, making sure they're healthy and taking care of, hey, she obviously have a love for animals, so she has a bent toward, if you was a wise parent, you try to direct her toward maybe she's going to be a veterinarian. You know, take care of animals. That's the bent that we have towards sin. We, we, they, well, you go, why are you keep on talking about sin, Elder? Hey, the chapter says creation and the fall. All the good stuff is coming. We, you know, we only in chapter three. The good stuff is coming. 
salvation and, and, and deliverance. But right now we got to deal with the fall. We are bent towards evil. That's why the scripture teaches every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl that we are bent and only God can straighten us. And we're not talking about that straightening that Quavo talking about getting that straightened on their back. No, no. We only God can do this straightening. And the last section we cover tonight is the need for a rescue. Is the need for a rescue. Thank you. We need a rescue. However, according to the second half of Ephesians 2, there is hope. Because hmm? you remember the first half of Ephesians 2 that we was reading, and it was saying how uh, 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 by nature we was this, and by, oh, we was quite ugly by nature. But, but he says, look at the second half of Ephesians 2. There is hope. There is hope. When he says here, Ephesians 2, verse 4. Look what he says. But God. Hey. See, see God don't leave us in the lurch. Oh, yes, he describes how wretched we were without him. But then he always puts bomb in, 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 in Gilead. Huh? Hey. He, you know, he, he's the I'm the God that heals. I kill and I heal. You know, his word kills old flesh. Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit may give us life. And that's what he did. Look what he said. But God being rich in mercy. See? He's rich in mercy. He's rich in and you know the the, the, the Hebrew word for mercy is 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 hesed. Well loving kindness. It's oftentimes translated. Or steadfast love. Hmm? He's rich in that. Because of his great love. Which he has loved us. He goes always back to that bond. That he put over us. When we became in relationship. With him and to him. We thought we were coming into relationship. No, no. Didn't the scripture say no man comes to the Father except the Father draws? So when we came in relationship with him, oh, he bound us up with a God type of love. And whether we, whether we walk away or not, we're still bound. But God, rich in mercy, is not finished with his creatures. He's not finished with his He'll let us go so far and then he'll drag us in. Those that are called to be saved. And he won't let us go but so far away from him. Although we talk about the creation and the fall, how we fall down and we get back up and fall down we get back up and we fall down and we get back up and and, and, oh, yeah, we're saved. But one of these times we fall down, we ain't going to get back up. Don't you know God will kill you to keep you saved? Oh, yes, he will. 
you take a, a carnal Christian that keeps on being disobedient, he'll take you out of there. Your soul will be saved, but you cut yourself off from having a long, prosperous life that he promised all his, his children. Oh, yes, he will. And we're done for tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord. Walk with us. Help us to walk with you. We the ones that walk the way in the casting creation into torment and being these modern day Adam and Eve. Give us ears to hear your voice beckon us return. Keep us close to yourself in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. All of these things we ask in Jesus' name. Remember your people all over the world. Remember Christendom as a whole, Lord, worldwide, needs you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord willing, we'll talk to you next week. Chapter 4. Good night.